Good morning, and thank you so much for joining us here at North Church today. My name is Ryan McClelland. We're thrilled that you're here. In just a moment, the worship band's going to come out and lead us in a few songs, and then one of the North Church Bible teachers is going to give us a message that's going to help us grow deeper in our relationship with the Lord. If you have any questions about what's going on here at North Church, find us online at northchurch.net. There you can scroll to the bottom of the homepage, click on eBulletin, and learn all about the things happening throughout the life of our church. If after service today you have any questions, please stop by the Info Center. There are happy volunteers would love the opportunity to help you learn more about what's going on here at the church. And don't forget to check out the Coffee Bar. There we have a broad range of hot drinks and cold drinks and tasty pastries for you to enjoy. It's also coming up on camp season and parents and members of the church, if you've been coming here for a while, you know how impacting camp is for kids. And this summer, we wanna help all of our kids from third grade all the way through high school go to camp and registration is opening very, very soon. Look for more information about how you can get your child or even do a scholarship for somebody that should be going to camp this summer. The next generation here at North Church is something that we invest in heavily because we believe it's super important that we get this church ready to hand off to them. Every single Sunday, we have over 170 kids joining us in North Kids to learn about Jesus, experience small groups, and grow closer to the Lord. And as a parent, we want to give you the tools that you need to help be the main discipler in your child's life. At the beginning of each month, which is today, we have a new item for you called the Parent Cube. So make sure you pick one of these up when you pick up your child from church today. And there you'll be able to see all the lessons happening throughout the month of May. And you'll be able to have some ideas of how to connect with them on the drive home today, around the dinner table, and even some bedtime prayer and midweek games that you can do with your kid to help connect more into the lesson that they received here on Sunday. Part of the mission here at North Church is to learn to boldly live and share the gospel in Spokane and around the rest of the world. And we are honored to have partnered with Partners International for an event on May 12th that we're hosting here at the church where we get the chance to hear from an international missionary about what God's doing in his church all over the world, how we can be supportive, and how we can pray. If you'd like to learn more about what's going on all over the world in God's broad Church, we want to talk to you. Don't hesitate to check out the information for the event online or learn more after service today. Those are all the announcements that we have for you today. And if after service you're in need of prayer, please step forward. Members of our church, members of our prayer team would love the opportunity to agree with you in prayer. Also right now on your mobile device, check in to North Church on Facebook. Every three check-ins to North Church helps provide an item for the World Relief Welcome Basket for refugees that are coming into Spokane. Thank you so much for participating in this and having a heart for the most vulnerable. Right now, we're going to sing, would you please stand?
Welcome to North Church. Glad you're here. Who ran Bloomsday this morning? Show of hands. Anyone? Anyone? Usually we have someone that strolls in at the 11. I was going to compare hands who ran it faster, but I don't get to do that anymore now. <laughs> All righty. Well, glad you guys didn't run Bloomsday and you're here with us this morning. Uh, one thing we val really value here at North Church is relationships and connection. So if you're new or just been coming and haven't been connected yet, I would love to meet you after the service at our first connect right underneath this monitor here. Otherwise, why don't you go ahead and turn, greet, and connect with the people around you right now.
at Collide and it is wild. Everything goes on at Collide. Things just happen. You make a lot of great memories. I met one of my best friends here. Everybody's just been having a total blast. I want them to have the time of their life. Uh, the lakefront seems to be a pretty popular place. I love myself the high dive. We do a lot of tubing. I love tubing. Play basketball. Volleyball. I love volleyball. I also like mini golf. I'm at the zip line. It's awesome. It breeze is just pulling past you. There's a giant swing, which is my favorite. I have a bunch of new friends now. You're real with the people you have fun with, so we try to make camp as fun as, as physically possible. The spear games are my favorite. Everyone's screaming at the top of their lungs. Let's go! The bubble balls, those are fun. You gotta run into people. It's insanity. It is sheer insanity. Everybody's cheering and jumping and having a lot of fun. There's this tarp for the water games. You can slide through down it and sometimes we play dodgeball. We're all in it together. I can't imagine anything without the people here. So when you're surrounded by these kind of people, you just get pumped up and full of Jesus. Collide is a place where people have some life-changing experiences. Like it, it seriously changes your life. Camp is about Jesus, and this camp was 100% about Jesus. It's for Jesus, and that's what makes it cool. We've had some awesome experiences during the worship. It's really great to be around your friends, worshiping God. And it's jumping up and down, praising the Lord, not worrying about anything else. I get tingles and like shiver and I just feel the Holy Spirit there and I feel God's presence. You can just sit there and embrace the Holy Spirit just coming inside you. He was talking about that we need to put our fears to rest. And we're supposed to leave it behind to let Jesus pick it up and walk away with it. I have a fear of like being alone and he's shown me that I am never alone. I have God with me. It really reminded me that God's always there and he's just like my friend. Last night I had a pretty serious experience. I, re I realized how far off the grid I was going, how just way off the path and I sat down and he prayed for me. Just I, I, I just fell apart. The best thing is that you have all these people around you supporting you. I feel comfortable with who, who's in my cabin so I could talk more to them. I get to tell them what's affecting me. I want to take away the relationships I've made and have long-lasting, authentic relationships. You need people in your lives to help you grow with Jesus. I want to come back to be a better Christian, a better friend, and just a better family member and brother. So that they can know Christ and have the same feeling that I had when I first became a Christian. Hey, I'm so excited that Collide is coming back up again. Uh, one of the greatest weeks of the entire year is our Collide camp. So I just want to give you a few quick details and I want to tell you why uh, our summer camps are so incredibly important. So for our Collide camp, uh, we have some uh, dates for you. You can grab one of these cards. It has some just uh, quick reminders and stuff on it out at the connections uh, table out there. But our middle school camp is for grades entering 6, 7, and 8, and that is July 28th through August 1st, and then our high school, which is entering 9th through 12th grade, is August 1st 
through the 5th. Um, so let me tell you a little bit why camp is so incredibly important. One is that students, they just have fun. It's a time just to get away from family and life and all this stuff and just have tons of fun and be around uh, uh, people who you grow in your friendship with. There's fun, there's friends, and there's lots of Jesus. Students are transformed at Collide. Their lives are changed. This is where students uh, are inspired to say yes to God. Uh, and I see that time and time again, year after year, the amount of students who go have a ton of fun, they have a blast and then they take these huge steps of faith with their relationship uh, with God. And so I think it's incredibly important. So I always urge parents, like, send your kids to camp. But more importantly than that is that if you're in middle school or you're in high school, this is about you. This is about your faith. This is about your relationships with other people. This is about your relationship with God. This is an opportunity that you get to get away from mom and dad and have a week of fun. This is an opportunity for you to invest into your friends and for you to experience God in a whole new way. So I just want to encourage you, if you're in middle school or high school, that you go. It's going to be a blast. I know this for a fact because I've been to camp so many times, and I still like it. I still go. Um, my life was changed when I was a sophomore in high school. That's why I believe in camp, and I see so many students that, that make new friends, they have fun, and their lives are forever transformed. So I just want to encourage you, send your students, send your kids to camp. Um, so uh, just a couple more quick important things, okay? Last year, we brought over 600 high schoolers between the area churches, and we brought over four or 500 middle schoolers to our two camps. Um, and this is really important because last year I told you, sign up early or you might not be able to go. And camp day that registration opened, it filled up uh, halfway. So we signed up like three or 400 high schoolers day one. And then by the end, uh, end of May, camp was full. And we had to put people on wait lists and the whole thing. So some of you parents didn't believe me that camp was going to fill up. And then you understood that, yeah, camp will fill up. So this year, I just want to encourage you, registration opens next Sunday. So that's Mother's Day. So kids, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go to your mom, and you're going to say, Mom, for Mother's Day, I'm going to camp. <laughs> she can't say no. It's just it's not going to happen. Um, sign up for camp. If, if you know that you're going to collide, um, register next Sunday. If, you think, if you're thinking about, yeah, I might want to go to Collide, register next Sunday. It's important that we get all our kids, we get all the students in our, in our church and their friends to be able to go experience this incredible week at Collide. So sign up next Sunday. Here, uh, you'll go to collidenw.com to register. It does require a $50 uh, down payment. We'll be doing some fundraisers and some other stuff to get kids there, but let's do it. It's going to be a great time. So grab one of these cards on your way out there at the table. It'll remind you and give you all the details that you need. If you have any questions or concerns or anything at all, come find me uh, or talk uh, to one of our other pastors on staff, and they'll probably just point you to me anyway. So, um, <laughs> hey, it's going to be a great week. Let's get kids there. Hey, would you stand up with me? We're going to pray, and then we're going to continue to sing. God, we just thank you so much, Lord, for what you do uh, in uh, our students' lives. 
God, and the kids who go to camp, God, we just pray even right now, Lord, that you begin to plant those seeds. God, that their lives would be forever changed because of the decisions that they make um, uh, in July and August at these two weeks of camp, God. Lord, we pray that that is a powerful experience, Lord. We pray that you'd move upon the hearts of students, God, that you'd move upon the hearts of parents to send their kids to be in a, in a, a spot that they will experience you in a new and fresh way. God, we pray for this morning, Lord, that we would experience you and we'd hear from you. And we love you and we thank you and we pray this in your name. Amen. Let's continue to sing together. Thank you. 
And I was just thinking of all, all the ways that, you know, I, I don't trust God with certain areas of my life. And just thinking, I want to be a person who, who trusts God fully with all aspects of my life where I, I boldly live as a follower of Jesus. I mean, where are you this morning in those specific areas where you find yourself uh, being hard to, to trust God with something? Maybe it's hard to trust God right now with a, a health issue or a financial issue or job security or relationships, whatever it may be. I just believe God wants to say to you that he's faithful, that he's always been faithful and that he's good. And so the next minute or two here, let's just quietly pray and give God Give him those insecurities, those doubts, those areas in which we're not trusting him and allow him to show us his faithfulness and his goodness this morning because he loves and cares for us. Let's take a moment just to pray. give you all of these prayers and we just thank you for your presence here with us today Lord the way you encourage us the way you fill us and inspire us is incredible and we pray in your name amen amen well happy Bloomsday to everybody so glad to see you I don't see many Bloomsday shirts yet um, still running I'm sure so glad to have you with us today. We're going to receive our tithes and offering. If you brought a gift to give to God, we do that as part of our worship here. Part of the way that we thank God and give him glory from our lives is uh, giving of ourselves and giving of our finance. So if you're visiting, don't feel any obligation to give. We're just glad you're with us. But let's, let's uh, continue to worship God. I'll have the ushers come. Who validates you? Who gives you a sense of belonging, purpose and meaning? I can't imagine of another generation that's been lied to more than ours. I see your face in every sunrise The colors of the morning are inside all these bombardment of advertising and messaging in everything we see on TV, magazines, what is beautiful, what is happiness, what is good enough. Why 
One day during a speaking tour, I was speaking in front of 300 executive businessmen and bankers in Singapore 2008. And I'll never forget how shocked I was seeing this businessman coming up to me and said, Nick, because of the world economic crash, my banks have lost money, but I don't care about money anymore. I need your help. And I said, what's wrong? He said, it's my daughter. She's 14 years old and she looks at herself in the mirror and she can't see anything but ugly. Help me. I don't know what to say. I didn't know how to pray exactly at that moment. I could see that love that this father had for this child, but it wasn't enough and it never will be enough because her perception became her obsession and that brought her to a spiral of depression. instills in us what we lack. Our identity is defined by Him. John chapter 4 verse 18 it says there is no fear in love but perfect love casts out all fear finally these teens and preteens don't have to be scared anymore about what they think they need to look like or what others think of them because finally there is truth of a perfect love that has no bounds Take it from a guy without arms and legs. Life can be cruel. People can be thoughtless or just plain mean. So I've learned to keep returning to the validation of the only one who is qualified to give. Friend, you are a child of God. your identity, your sense of identity from. Well, we're going to head into a series uh, starting today called Hidden Treasure. And the treasure, let me give you a little hint, is not at the bottom of the ocean. It's at the bottom of your soul. You are the treasure in God's eyes. About eight years ago, um, a story kind of broke out uh, of a guy who had been beaten up in back of a Burger King in Georgia left for dead, thrown in a dumpster, and, and uh, naked, and, and, and uh, almost dead. He wakes up, though, they take him to the hospital, and he has total amnesia. 
And so for the last almost uh, eight to 10 years, I think it happened to go, he's trying to figure out who he is. He just calls himself Benjamin. Trying to figure it out. Well, Dr. Phil does a show on him and uh, he did a show called, Who Am I? The FBI did fingerprints trying to figure out who this guy was and DNA testing. Kathleen, a woman who, had, uh, who was a nurse, actually took him in and tried to help him over the course of uh, eight years to try and help him figure out who he was. He's living in Florida. Imagine if that was you. I mean, you come to church one day, you have a past, you have a present, you have hopes for the future, people know you, you know people, and then all of a sudden, the next day, you don't know any of it. You have no idea, you have no identity. That's exactly what Satan is trying to do in our lives. Rip us off of our identity. Rip us off of who God says that we are. See, the enemy has very limited power. The devil has very limited power. It's to steal, kill, and destroy. It's basically to rip us off, to deceive us, to distort, to distort what God says. The Bible tells us that the, there's an enemy of the soul and that enemy of the soul wants us to live defeated and depressed lives. But Jesus said, I've come that you can have life more abundantly, life to the full. But we live in a world, though, that sees things very differently, right? A world where it says you need to measure up. You need to have the perfect model body. You need to maintain the perfect weight. You need to have this bubbly personality. You need to be a success, and of course that means to make a lot of money. And yet, how many of us are actually living that life and meet all those qualifiers, right? So no wonder we walk around feeling defeated and that we don't measure up. The book of Proverbs says, how a man thinks is how he is. In other words, the majority of our problems, they're not coming from other people. They're not even coming from the, from the devil. They're coming from the way we perceive ourselves and coming from the way that we think. My identity, who am I? Now, who does God say that you are? Who are you? Who are you in Him? That's what we're gonna talk about throughout this series. And I wanna just start by giving you this quote from a famous 17th century physicist, mathematician, philosopher, uh, Blaise Pascal. Here's what he said. Not only do we know God through Jesus Christ, but we only know ourselves through Jesus Christ. We only know life and death through Jesus Christ. Apart from Jesus, we cannot know the meaning of our life, the meaning of our death, the meaning of God, or the meaning of ourselves. It is only in Christ. Now that phrase, in Christ, is used in the Bible over 140 different times, and it's one of the most common phrases that describes who we are as a disciple of Jesus, who we are as members of God's family, who we are as Christ followers. So we're going to talk more about that. Let me start with this passage found in Ephesians chapter 2, verses uh, 10 and 11. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Verse 10 says that we are his masterpiece. Now, many of us don't feel like a masterpiece. 
but we're created anew in Christ so we can do good things that he planned for us to do long ago. In other words, you'll never know what you're supposed to do with your life until you know who you are. We have to first see who we are in Christ before we'll ever know what are we called to do. And we get it backwards, don't we? We first want to go do something significant and then let that significant thing that we've done define who we are. And yet the Bible tells us it's the exact opposite. We discover who we are in Christ and through that, then he leads us and guides us to the things that he's called us to do that he planned from long ago. So let me start with this, answering this question. What does God think about you? What does God feel about you when he looks at you? Psalm 139 says this in verse 13. You made all the delicate inner, inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. What does God think about you? Precious thoughts, good thoughts. God loves you. You are valuable to him. He formed you and fashioned you. He had you designed before you were ever made. And you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And his thoughts are too numerous to count. See, that means you are valuable to God. And so we can, each one of us can say this with ownership. I am valuable. I'm valuable. Some of us this morning need to, need to actually declare that. Have you ever participated in one of the most, um, the greatest events that happens all over our city right about now? It's called a garage sale. And, <laughs> and some of you, I know a couple of you, are professional garage sale people. I don't know if it's a profession, but some of you, are, you want it to be. And you go and you find stuff. And one of my friends uh, was just bragging a few days ago to Tisa and I about how she had been to a garage sale and found these two lazy boy chairs. And we're, we're looking for lazy boy chairs, but she found these two brand new, tag still on it, massager built into it, heater built into it, everything perfect. She got them for $20. 20 bucks. I'm thinking, what? why not me, God? <laughs> now, whenever you find that kind of a deal, you, you do the happy dance, right? And you brag about it to your friends, like my friend did to us. And, and she wasn't giving that chair to us. She, it was her find. She stole it, right? Whenever you get something where someone else isn't recognizing the value of it, you, you stole it. You, you got a steal of a deal. Many of Many of us, many of us don't know our value. It's being stolen from us. We underestimate the way that God sees us, that you're valuable. Don't let 
anybody steal that from you? See, in a very real way, God says, you are worth more than anything to me. And I, I care so much about you and your value that I'm willing to go to great lengths to show you that. Romans 5 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. 1 Peter says, God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life. It was the precious blood of Jesus. How much does God care about you and see value in you? Enough to pay a high price. Enough to go to extreme measures to redeem you. You've never locked eyes with anyone who didn't have extreme value because we are all made in the image of God and Jesus Christ came, died on a cross, crucified, buried and rose again because of the value that we have to him. You are God's masterpiece. Not only are you valuable though, you're unique. You are an original. And so those of you who know that about your spouse, you can say, I knew it. Yep, you're one of a kind. You're one of a kind. See, here's the deal. When you meet God face to face, he's not going to look at you and say, oh, if you would have only been more like this person over here. He won't do that. He'll just look at us and he'll say, I wish you would have seen your value and just been more of who I made you to be just to accept your originality. You see, each one of us are uniquely made in his image. Not only are we valuable, but we, we're unique in that we have something specific and unique to offer this world, even though we often don't feel like it, but we do. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 talks about being an original, and here's kind of what it says. It says, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, with some who commend themselves. Now, I, I can relate to that because as a teacher, as a preacher, as someone who's up in front of people, it's so easy to look around at other speakers and teachers in our country and never before have we had greater national teachers and speakers and better resources to access and it's so easy to, to look at that and just go, God, what am I doing here? I don't have anything anybody else isn't already saying, and I don't have anything that is any better than anybody else. And, and then he'll calm me down, and he'll say, it's not about comparing yourself to others. It's something I want to do through you. Have you seen that with yourself yet? There's just something God wants to do through you. Yeah, there are other people that we can look around and say they just seem more intelligent, more together, more this, more that, have more money, have more success, have more talent, have more beauty. And God says, no, but I don't care about them. Quit looking at them. I want to use you. I have something that will only happen if it comes through your life. The fingerprints I've placed in your soul, the personality that I have given to you, the way in which you interpret things. That's the way I want to share my love with others. See, we're immersed in a culture that has cut its teeth on comparisons, right? We compare figures and finances and cars and houses and even kids. I mean, you think, oh no, we don't do that. Yeah, just go to a soccer field 
and listen to the parents. Go to the t-ball game, comparing and contrasting and classifying. And whenever we do that, see, we're often diminishing other people's originality. And we end up either faulting in the area of pride or in self-criticism. Pride is basically, hey, I'm better than others. You know, I have more money than other people. I work harder and therefore, because I'm such a hard worker and I'm creative and smart, I've amassed more money than others, therefore I'm better. Or I work out, I'm in better shape, or I have more talent. You, you fill in the blank. And it ends up in a place of pride, dangerous pride. Or we go the other route, which is, which is just as bad, really, condemning ourselves, thinking that we don't measure up, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not beautiful enough, I'm not skinny enough, I'm not, you fill in the blank. And we think that somehow that's not quite as bad as pride, but it really is because both of them are basically an affront to God, saying, God, you, didn't, you don't make good stuff. God, you didn't make me right. God, you should have made me more like somebody else. When we compare ourselves to others, it leads down a path of pride or self-criticism. And yet we need to understand who we are in God's eyes. Who we are. We're valuable. We're unique. And you're lovable. You're lovable. You are a living being made in his image. God formed you. He breathed the breath of life into you. And he loves you. And he wants to use you to spread his love to other people because you matter to him. And again, how do you know you matter to him? Well, because love needs an object to love, and you are the object of his love. God so loved the world. Loved you, are you part of the world? Or, yeah, God so loved you that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Why, because I'm loved. Isaiah 54 says, Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, says the Lord. See, when you wake up in the morning, you don't have to roll over and wonder, I wonder if God's going to love me today. If I perform well today, God will love me. If I'm spiritual enough today, God will love me. No, you don't have to wonder that. Because there's nothing you did to earn his love and there's nothing you can do to unearn it. God wants to melt your heart with his love. I remember when that happened for me, uh, I had been a Christian, I received Jesus into my life, I, I, I put my faith and trust in what he did on the cross. It was a couple years later, graduated college, my dad wrote me this kind of extensive letter and in it, he just said, you know, I'm proud of you and I love you. And I don't know, maybe I didn't hear that enough, maybe I did, don't even know, don't care at this point, but all I know is that when my dad did that, I had this visceral, emotional reaction which was pretty new for me. And I was just weeping and I, and I asked God why and he said, he basically spoke this into my own spirit, he said, because you've been seeking unconditional love your whole life and you don't have to look for it any longer from anybody else. I'm your perfect heavenly father, and I love you. You're my beloved son, and whom I'm well pleased. You don't have to earn anything. You don't have to do anything. 
You just have to receive it. Isn't it hard sometimes just to receive love when you don't feel that you've earned it? God wants you to be baptized in his love. He wants to just immerse you in that. You see, this is something that's so easy to get intellectually and so hard to live out experientially. And it's, it's a danger of something that any one of us could miss this morning. Is that, oh, I get that. Yeah, okay, what's next? And it's like, there is nothing next. That's what we need to lay hold of. That's what we need God to do in our lives is to help us see how much he loves us. So much that he died for us. The fourth thing that I want to say before we take communion together is that you're forgivable. I am forgivable. No matter what you've done, no matter how far you've drifted from God, every single one of us are forgivable. From cover to cover, the Bible tells us this. Let me again describe the great lengths that God went to in order to forgive you and me. You remember back in the garden with Adam and Eve made in this perfect world? They're hitting on all eight cylinders. They're not comparing or contrasting. They're just living in God's grace and in his love. They know who they are in him. They're just saying, God, you made me. You breathed the breath of life in me. You're a master craftsman. This is sweet. And then something happened. The devil shows up and he tempts them. And he says in no uncertain terms, hey, look away from God for your identity. You don't really need God like you think you do. You can figure out life on your own. Look to yourself for your own significance. Listen to what I have to say. And it was in that moment when they turned away from God to find their identity that something inside them died. You see, sin and, and, and looking away from God to live life without him, it leads to death, death of the soul, death of the spirit. And yet God loved us so much, he wasn't going to let us stay in that condition of lostness. And so he sends his one and only son, Jesus, to live the life of a man and to die on the cross and to rise again. Patrick Morley in uh, Man in the Mirror tells about a group of fishermen who landed in this remote part of Alaska in this bay. And they were there for a day of fishing. And so they had a great day of salmon fishing. But when they returned to their seaplane, it was aground because of the fluctuating tides. Well, they, they had no option but to wait until the next morning for the tides to change to, to take off. And so the next morning they take off, but they only got a few feet off of the ground and they ended up crashing down into the sea. Being aground the day before had actually punctured one of the pontoons and it had filled up with water. Well, the seaplane slowly began to sink. So the three men and, their 12, and one of them had a 12-year-old son by the name of Mark. They prayed and they jumped into the icy waters and they were gonna swim to shore. Well, the water was freezing cold and the riptide was strong. Two of the men, reached the shore, exhausted, cold. And they looked back and they saw their other friend who was also a very good swimmer. Uh, he didn't swim to the shore. 
He just stayed there with his 12-year-old son because his son wasn't strong enough to swim in. So they saw that father with his arms around his son being swept out to sea because he chose to die with his son rather than to live without him. That's how God sees you. He chose to die so that you could live. Jesus chose to die rather than to live without you. And what makes this even more impressive is that God sacrificed his life when you and I didn't give a rip about him. He didn't come to us because we were good or we were searching for him. No, he came to us in the midst of our sin. It says this in Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, nothing you can do will separate you from the love of God. You don't believe in God? He still loves you. You ignore God? He still loves you. You run from him, he still loves you. Nothing will separate you from his love. Well, we're gonna receive communion right now. And as we do, I want you to just think about what Jesus has done for you. The great lengths that he went to to demonstrate in a tangible way that you're valuable, that you're unique, that you're lovable, that you're forgivable. And then as well, I, I want us to be thinking about who we are in Christ and quit letting the world define who we are, what our identity is, and embrace who God says we are, that you're created unique, you're valuable, there's no one like you. God has created a masterpiece in you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are loved and nothing can separate you from his love because he died for you. You're forgivable. There's no sin too great that God did not forgive if we'll just be honest and we'll not live in denial and we'll say, God, yes, I am a sinner and I need a savior. God, yes, I confess that to you and I'm asking now that you cleanse me and that you renew in me and restore in me, God, a fresh perspective of who I am. You see, for as many as are in Christ, says that they are a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. See, God is creating something new in us, a new identity when we come to Christ. And we spend the rest of our lives discovering what that is, that new identity. So during communion, let's embrace that. Let's repent and turn our backs on comparing and contrasting and feeling uh, either uh, pride or self-condemnation. And let's just turn to him and say, God, fill me today with a fresh perspective of your love. Help me see, God, what you see. And today I'm going to declare it. Today I'm going to thank you for it. Today, God, I'm going to allow you to cleanse me and work something brand new in me. So friends, as the moment is right, uh, after a minute or two of reflecting and praising God, would you come up and take a piece of the bread, dip it in the juice, representing 
the body of Jesus on the cross for you, the blood of Jesus spilt for you, given for you. And just thank him for who he is and thank him for who he's made you to be. Let's just give him glory today as we take communion together. Uh-huh. 
Let's stand up together. you and we pour out to you God in worship because you made us because you're worthy you're perfect in every way you died for us you love us and God we just thank you for who you are and what you've done help us Lord reflect your glory to others help us see the value in others as we leave this place we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we want to, again, welcome you. If you're new, Pastor Nate will be over here by this monitor. Love to meet you just for a few moments and to talk to you about how you can get better connected here. If you need prayer, there'll be people over here on this other side. Otherwise, have a wonderful day today. We'll see you next week.